Let me read you some horror stories sent to us by our listeners. Dreams of haunted places, sent to us by Heart Cell. I sometimes encounter ghosts in my dreams. DC's dreams always leave me freaked out, especially if I'm scared about the experience. Some of my dreams are reoccurring. In some dreams I manage to help a spirit and other times I'm just so freaked out by the energy or the negative presence. I wake up and wonder why do I go there in my dreams, and think to myself upon waking oh no. Not that dream again. I've had a few really scary dreams about ghosts I'll never forget. One was when I was pregnant. I encountered a female ghost who tried to kill me by strangling me, and somehow I knew that she had actually killed herself in real life, because she had suffered a loss of an unborn child. Don't ask me how I knew this, but I knew she was really upset and jealous of me because I was expecting and I woke up screaming no. Because I was trying to get her off of me, she had me down on the ground, and I felt like she was on top of me while I woke up. I woke myself up yelling for my life. I was so shaken up that I told my partner about it. In real life I am clairvoyant about spirits and ghosts as well. Little girl that walks the house, sent to us by Ratter. To tell you the truth I've never seen what I'm about to write, but my mom and the neighbor did and I totally believe them. I lived in a house that was divided into three parts, and there were three families that lived there. We happened to live in the smallest part of it. You have to remember that I was about 8 years old at the time, so I never really thought much about the house. But even when I was 8, I still felt a small vibe in the bathroom. Now our house was just a living room, kitchen, my room and the bathroom, all in that order and very small. In the bathroom there was a small slant in the ceiling that was meant to be there, but it made you feel just scared. In the bathroom, there was no shower because of the slant, but the bath looked almost like an old-style kind of bath. Let me tell you what my mom and the neighbor saw. On the stairs of the house, Dana, the neighbor, and my mom saw a little girl around 12 years old. They said that she was dressed in old-fashioned clothing with little boots. They didn't get a bad feeling from this girl. At around 3 o'clock in the morning, my mom also heard a ball bouncing from that girl. Dana also saw a bunch of ghost cats. They did get a bad vibe from hearing a man's footsteps upstairs. Loud. But the man soon left. It was just a plain creepy house. The Friday Night Sitting, sent to us by Swift. First some background, I am from Washington State and lived on the coast till I married. My grandparents lived in a very small town called New London it can be found outside of Hockwiam on Highway 101 heading north. My grandmother was a medium, and had sittings each Friday night in my grandparents' living room this house was built by my grandfather, and great uncle from a logging bunk, house it was two stories, and had two bedrooms and a one car garage. My grandfather built, and held several patents, band saws that were used thought out the west coast in Canada and big saw mills. I believe there are still some of them around. He had a very large machine shop, with office attached, that he made the saws in, so he needed a very large driveway for trucks, to be able to come and go in, the drive lead up to the house, and was all gravel, so when someone drove into the driveway there would be no way, that you could miss the crunch of the gravel from the tires going over it, when it got to the house, and at night with the light of two big street lights flooding it with light it was very unlikely anyone would be able to get to the house without being seen. The sittings were not something that you had to pay to be invited to, it was just word of mouth and being there at 7pm in the evening and staying till it was over. 
This took place on a fall evening, I remember that, because it was when the sun was setting earlier again, and it was dark before the evening started. There was some nine maybe ten people, that had come that night, my father and myself included. The hallway light was turned on, so that the back of the house, was lighted if someone needed to take a break they would not have a problem. The drapes that were over the front window, and the side window looking over the deck, that lead to the front door was left open, to let the light from the street lights come into the living room. Right at 7.30 the sitting started as any normal Friday night, two people had come in for just a very short time, and it was like there was a lull then from outside we heard a car turn into the driveway, and come slowly up the drive, and stop right under the window. I wanted to get up, and see who it was but my dad shook his head no at me, and whispered to sit still. The engine turned off and first one car door opened then two more opened, and closed with the first one you could hear footsteps walking in the gravel then nothing, when they walked across the grass to the sidewalk, and then up the wooden stairs, and walking across the deck to stop right at the window. My dad got up to go, and opened the door, but looked out the window, to see who was there first and stood stock still. My grandfather took one look at him, and then turned to look out the front window, where the car was at, or should I say should have been, there was nothing there, after what most likely was only a few seconds but felt like a lot longer it was like they seen what they wanted, and had turned back around, walked back down the steps, and opened the car doors closed them started the engine, and back slowly out of the driveway. Every one of us that night heard the same things we all stood up to watch out the front window, there was nothing there. The get together with friends, sent to us by Swift. When I was a child, my father would invite neighborhood families to the house for the evening. Where other families would just play games like cards or board games, my father would come up with the idea of rocking the table about halfway thought the evening just to have something different to do. The night that I remember most clearly was when I was about 7 years old, it was decided that I would rock the table with him. The table we would use was the dining room table. This table was a very large cherry wood table that sat 12. As we were a family of 10 we lived in a large 5 bedroom house on 40 acres of property, the rooms were all very large, and the dining room was no exception. That night we put all the chairs back against the wall to have them out of the way, then moved the table to the middle of the room. I was standing at one end of the table with my palms on the table at about elbow length from the end of the table with my body not touching it, my father stood at the other end, and also put his hands on the table at elbows length or more onto the table, also where he in no way touched the table, other than just the palms of his hands. It was quiet in the room as my dad told me to clear my mind and only think over and over again, if there is someone here rock the table, that's what I did. It was slow at first, but the table kind of moved just a little bit like someone was pushing against it, as if they were getting up from a chair. Then the table started raising up off the floor from my father's side of the room. I might add there was no way that I could have done this to have it tipped towards me, and with him only having his palms on the table, there was no way that he could do it. Neither he started to ask questions that would be yes and no answers he said if it's no, rock one time, if it's yes, rock two times. This question and answers only went on till he thought it would be fun to see if we could get them to put the table up on one leg, and go around in a circle on that one leg he asked if they would do that for us tonight. The answer to that question was a bone jarring, yes. The table started rocking back and forth very hard for just a few seconds, till it got up so far that my dad had to move to the side of the table to keep his hands on it. 
It was tipped up onto two legs on my side and stayed that way for all of two to three seconds, then tipped up onto one of those legs and stood that way for a second or two, and then started to turn slowly. We had to walk around with it to keep our hands on it. At first it was just walking, then I had to run to keep up with it. Needless to say the neighbors that had come to the house were terrified of what they were seeing as never once did my father have anything more in contact with the table than the palms of his hands, and they knew that there was no way that I could have done what they were seeing. The table was going too fast for us to keep up, and I lost hold of it and let go, and it came down on all four legs and just stood still. I can still see my stepmother's face when she looked at her table to make sure it was okay. After what it had been put though, that was the only time I ever agreed to rock the table with my father with people from the neighborhood at the house. As that kind of put me at a disadvantage to say the least with the kids I went to school with. The ghost is attacking me, sent to us by Bummer. I think a ghost is attacking me or I'm going crazy. The first incident happened about two years ago at around 7am in the morning. Someone, who I thought was my dad, came in my room to wake me up, so that I could open the gate, and he told me to watch over the house while he was gone. Well, my dad wears a black sweater and black sweatpants to bed, so I didn't look at the face. I was so tired and mad that I had to get up at that time. When I got up to open the gate, I found my dad sleeping in his bed. That really pissed me off, so I woke him up to find out he had never come in my room. My sister has had a similar experience, but it took the form of my stepmom. It told her to get ready for school at 2am in the morning, so she got up and took a shower. Last year, on October 31st, at around 2am, I woke up and when I closed my eyes to go back to sleep, I could feel someone in my bed. I tried to open my eyes, but I was paralyzed. This happened every night for about two months. In the past few weeks it's been starting up again, and it's getting stronger. Like one night, I woke up at 2.12am, and I was awake for about 20 minutes. I was watching the clock and when I closed my eyes I started hearing loud whispering that sounded like a leaky sink, and before I could open my eyes it was on me, and I tried to scream with all my might, but I only got some weird noises out. My sister heard them but didn't think anything of it. Now when it gets on me, I'm not even sure if it's on me anymore, I don't feel it holding me down, I relax my muscles, and still, I can't open my eyes. I've managed to open them a few times, but I don't see anything. When I'm finally able to move, I stay awake, but sometimes it comes back on me or does whatever it seems to do. Ghost by the highway, sent to us by Nix. I was once driving back home from a long trip. I was driving from Texas going back to Georgia. It was about 2.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I finally made it back to the state of Georgia. As I first entered Highway 96 in Georgia, doing about 55 miles per hour I noticed a glare on the left side of the road about half a mile up. As I got closer to the glare it appeared more misty than finally clear. The object was in the form of a woman mid-aged, but it had no legs. It appeared to have full body, but stopped at the legs. The object did not appear to notice me pass by. Again, I was doing about 55 miles per hour, so it was a quick glimpse, but I know I saw it. I even looked in my rear view mirror to confirm the object, and yes, it was the real deal. No I was not sleepy at the time. No I do not do drugs, and no I do not drink and drive. This experience was 100% real. If you ever get the chance drive on Highway 96 East in Georgia, and see what you find.
Silver horseshoes, sent to us by Mark. A handful of odd things happened back in the house I grew up in, in Indiana. I've already told you about the ghost in the chair, and the writing on the wall. Sometime after that incident, my mother, my brother Chuck, and I were in the living room, in the late evening, watching television when a loud noise startled us. It was a loud clanging kind of sound from down in the basement. We had a really musty old basement, half of it was a dirt floor crawl space that opened into the poured concrete part of the basement. It was just a storage area, full of old paint cans, fishing tackle, tools, storm windows, a big freezer that usually held a whole hog, and a side of beef we pick up twice a year to live off of. There was a sump pit that the washer drained into and the furnace and hot water heater were down there. The ceiling of it was just the exposed floor joists of the ground floor rooms, one of which we were sitting in when he heard this loud clanging noise from the basement. Startled, we went down to see what was going on. The stairs had no backs, just the treads, no risers. Our dog, a big German Shepherd, was always afraid to go down in that basement. She'd almost pitch a fit to have to go past that door to get out in the backyard. But there we were, me, and mom, and Chuck, standing on those open back basement stairs looking at the cement floor, where a single horseshoe was laying. The cement was chipped where it hit. It was spray-painted silver. We had a silver pair and a red pair for playing horseshoes, and these were real ones, heavy. We kept them hanging on a pair of nails driven into one of the exposed floor joists. As we stood there, the second silver one fell onto the first. That was startling. Freaky weird. Just as it happened I saw a whitish line shoot up from the horseshoe already on the floor. Nobody else saw it. But to me, it looked just like some kind of shape reached up and tapped the other one, sort of like looking at a thin man sideways. I can remember us talking back and forth about how maybe us running through the dining room to the stairs might have knocked it off the nail, but we were on the stairs when it fell, and the nail it fell from was still just like it ought to be. A big ten penny nail stuck in at about a 45 degree angle. The horseshoes would have had to have walked up the nail and gotten themselves over the big nail head. My brother was taller than the rest of us, and he grabbed the nail to see if it was loose or could be twisted. It was tight as ever. We hung the silver ones back up on the same nail they fell from and went back upstairs. I think we spent the rest of the evening waiting to hear if they were gonna fall again, or not. They never fell again that I know of. And it had been at least a month since anyone had played horseshoes, so they'd been on that nail a long time. The house in Cyprus. When I was in the fourth grade, my family moved into a house in Cyprus, California. On the outside it looked like any other on the block, but on the inside it was anything but normal. The layout of the upstairs had been changed by the previous owner, and went from a four-bedroom to one large loft. But there was something else in the house that for the longest time only us kids encountered. On the first day as we moved in, we watched a spice rack that was at the back of the counter. It slid across the tiled counter and over the lip at the end of it, and crashed to the floor. Our parents did not believe us when we told them, they just thought one of us had done it herself. But as the weeks went by, things continued. The clock in the kitchen would periodically jump off the wall and land on the refrigerator three feet away, never once did it hit the ground. The TV and stereo would turn on by themselves tunned to a station with nothing but static. Three to four times a week we would hear scratching noises on the east side of the house, and there were no bushes or trees on that side. My little sister and I would every so often hear someone moving around in the upstairs closet when no one else was up there. My parents however thought this was just all our imaginations, until one night. 
My sister Kina and I, along with two other of my sisters, were up in her part of the loft one night, which was on the east side of the house, watching TV. We started to hear music from the music boxes on the other side of the loft, where my other two sisters' beds were. They decided to go see what was going on, and as soon as they turned the corner by the stairs, that is when it happened. From outside Kina's window a voice called out to her, in a scratchy whisper, it called her name over and over. By the time we called her name the third time we were already heading down the stairs, followed by my other two sisters. They were running because as they got to the music boxes, it stopped playing. We ran to our dad and after telling him what happened he decided to go check it out. We followed him up the stairs to the window all of us moving as one. But you could have heard a pin dropped with the silence that followed him opening the curtains. On the window was two smeared handprints on the outside, and hanging from the beam of the roof was a noose. My dad thought someone had tried to break in and called the police. After they arrived and checked the house and the surrounding property, they found nothing. They told my dad that no one could have gotten to that side of the house from the outside, only from the inside was it possible. That is when they informed my dad what had occurred at the house years before. It seemed that the owners, prior to the one we got the house from, had a teenage daughter. One day when they had come home early, they discovered her body swinging from a noose from that very window, and on the outside of the window was two smeared handprints. That's all my dad needed to hear. We moved out that week, realizing that for some reason she was still there and did not want any other children in that house. From time to time I go by that house in Cyprus and Alway get the feeling something is watching me. But to this day when I hear something outside the window I hesitate to look, in fear something may be looking back. Attack on my auditory senses, sent to us by Nicholas Sylvester. In 2003 I had a girlfriend who had just moved into a manufactured house. I pretty much lived with her. My life was miserable at the time, just to add. As the weeks went by she told me that she thought that the house was haunted, that she kept hearing noises and seeing things out the corner of her eyes. I just chalked it all up to her overactive imagination. As more weeks went by I started to believe what she was saying. The house just seemed like it was somewhat active. I too was hearing these noises at night and seeing things in my peripheral vision, more so than at my parents' house or just most anywhere else. But yet I was still skeptical until a series of three nights, all three nights in a row. It wasn't unusual for me to stay with her four and five nights in a row, but something was different about these three nights. We headed for bed around 10pm on a Tuesday night. For some reason this night, I was having trouble sleeping, my girl was asleep in minutes. At around 11pm I began to hear a very faint but strange noise. It sounded as if someone was slamming a very big metal door shut and open shut and open over and over again. You know like one of those big dungeon doors from an old medieval castle. Not unlike someone smashing a sledgehammer against a steel beam. Very strange I thought but very faint, as if in the distance. I tried to ignore it, but it wouldn't go away, and as the time was passing it was slowly getting louder as if it was approaching me or something. About an hour passed and I was relieved that it went away. I told my girlfriend about it the next morning, but she had heard nothing. Wednesday evening more of the same, we went to sleep around 10pm, but yet I still found it hard to sleep, and the noise persisted this night too, but was not assembly louder than the night before. I even awoke my girlfriend to ask her if she could hear this strange sound, and she looked astonished, she had no clue what I was talking about. I was thinking that I was starting to go crazy or something. It was strange because the noise only persisted with my eyes closed, and would slowly get louder and dissipate within about an hour. 
I thought maybe it was all some weird dream or something, I didn't know what to think. Then came Thursday evening as we were heading for bed I became sort of apprehensive about trying to sleep, but I went along to bed anyways with my girl. Around the same time as the nights before. At first I was relieved that this night seemed quiet. But then it started, this night was different than the first two. The noise started significantly louder this time. The noise pierced my ears. The noise was so loud that it made my whole head physically rattle every time it repeated itself. This time I opened my eyes and the noise continued louder and louder. My ears began to hurt very intensely with each clash of metal. How could this be I thought, how could she still be sleeping, it's as loud as a freight train. Then I looked out her bedroom door and froze solid. The noise ceased. What looked like a small human figure. More of a black mist seemed to dissipate. I woke my girlfriend and explained to her what happened. She looked at me like I was nuts. She had heard nothing. After this night I never experienced anything like this again at her house. Something about those three nights was not right. I know a couple of things though. I wasn't dreaming, that noise actually caused me physical pain, in my ears, something was in the doorway of her room, I never again doubted her when she said she saw or heard something. For the rest of my life I will never forget those three nights. Fifteen years of terror, sent to us by Kathleen Schramm. When I was eight years old my mom and dad purchased a home located in Burlingame, California. They got a great deal on the house and were thrilled at its location, and the town. I recall the first time I entered the house I said to my mom, it is so dark in here. My mother reassured me that with a little paint and new drapes, it would be bright and sunny. I think that the darkness I noticed wasn't just because of the dark walls and drapes, there was something much darker hidden in the seams of the house. This darkness didn't stay hidden for long. Before we moved our belongings into the home my dad, and one of his friends, Dick, went to the house to refinish the hardwood floors. They were in for a challenging set of experiences. When they turned on the sander the radio would blast, when they turned off the radio the light would go on. Then the electricity would shut off. They checked the fuses, but none of them were burned out. My dad called the power company, the man who came out said there was nothing wrong with the connection from the power pole to the house. He told my dad that he needed to call an electrician. The electrician witnessed the strange and inexplicable relation between unrelated switches and the response from remote locations throughout the house. The electrician told my dad that the entire house needed to be rewired. To their surprise after this announcement all the electrical appliances and lights worked as expected. All returned to normal operation at that time. This stunt repeated many times over the years. We just had to wait it out because there was nothing wrong with the fuses, fuse box, the connection to the power pole. There was no technical explanation. I will say that being in a totally dark house due to the actions of invisible intruders was quite terrifying. We were at their mercy, and they had little to no mercy. After we moved into the house we immediately noted that at times it sounded as if someone was walking across the floor, or there would be what sounded like knocking on various doors throughout the house. The back door would open and slam close, which would be followed by what sounded like footsteps coming up the stairs. My parents explained to me that these sounds were the sounds of the house settling. Often when I went to bed at night I would hear heavy breathing right by my face. My parents told me this was what the water heater sounded like at night when it was heating the water. I would hear my mother call, and when I answered she would say she did not call me, and vice versa. I often found long auburn hairs in my bedroom. I couldn't figure this out. I didn't know anyone with auburn hair. 
my parents became acquainted with the next-door neighbors. They commented to mom and dad that they hoped that they lived there longer than other people that had moved in. The house had always been sold, never rented, but it was rare for any family to live there more than three months. The neighbors had lived next door for over 20 years. There were times when I woke up with someone holding on to my ankles and pulling me off the end of the bed. This terrified me. When I told my parents they assured me that I was only having a nightmare. I woke up in the mornings to find pieces clipped from my hair. This left short jagged pieces I couldn't style. My mom told me this was from the pin curls I use. One afternoon I was in my bedroom and couldn't shake the feeling that someone was staring at me. This gave me the creeps, so I decided to go out to the living room. And that I felt so uneasy, I stepped down on the first step in front of the door, and reached around the corner to turn off the light. When I turned off the light I saw a young woman sitting on the bed right next to where I had been sitting. She had long auburn hair. She was transparent. I didn't believe in ghosts. My parents had told me over and over again there was no such thing. Now I was faced with the terrifying reality of a ghost sitting on my bed. I ran to the front bathroom, slammed and locked the door. Then it dawned on me that if she was a ghost and what they say about ghosts was true, she could walk through the wall, and I would be locked inside with her. I unlocked the door and ran to the living room in the front of the house. In the morning I told my parents about my experience. They exchanged glances and then they told me that they knew that the house was haunted. The ghost I described to them is the one they called Florence. It took them about three years to believe the house was haunted. They didn't believe it until they had exhausted themselves by sneaking through the house trying to find the intruders making all the noises, and never finding anything. Then one night when they had just gotten into bed, turned off the lights, and above the end of their bed were two floating heads staring at them. They both saw these apparitions, and could not deny what they saw. This put them on a track of using an Ouija board to try to communicate with the ghosts. Knowing what I do now about the response to this board by earthbound spirits I am certain this practice only made things worse. There were many ghosts. I only saw two fully manifest apparitions, but my parents saw, and experienced many more. I saw things, but only two specific ones. It was a common experience to see items, such as books, fly across the room. One time my mom was taking a nap on the couch in the living room. The couch seemed to be shaking. She opened her eyes to discover that the couch was being transported by floating across the room with her on top of it. One could explain doors opening and closing by themselves being due to not being latched properly, and a breeze caused it to open and close. This explanation could not be applied to the sliding door between the second and third bedrooms. This sliding door often slammed open or close. This was very unsettling. Quite a few times my parents came into my room in the middle of the night to see why I was screaming. I was not aware of screaming. As far as I knew I was sound asleep. They would describe the screaming as if I had seen bloody heads rolling across the floor. There were times my parents acted out of character. They would be much harsher than one would expect. Shortly before my mom passed away she told me that the change of life made her strange. I asked her what she meant and she told me that one time she was chatting across the picket fence with our elderly neighbor. She said that it took all her strength to force herself to go back into her house without attacking and strangling the neighbor. I told her, Mom, that wasn't the change of life, it was the ghosts. The ghosts made them say and do things that were out of character. I could see it in their eyes and their mannerisms that they were different, not themselves. I experienced times when I was attacked, pushed, and manhandled by the ghosts. I told my parents, and they told me that I was letting my imagination run away with me. 
Their invalidation of my experiences made life very difficult for me as there was no where to turn for help. Family and friends that visited were often treated to a ghost experience from simple footsteps and door knocking to having their blankets pulled off of them in the middle of the night by unseen hands. One time my aunt was at our house for my birthday party. It was too late for her to drive all the way home, but she didn't want to sleep in the house. She slept out in our travel trailer with my teenage slumber party. One time we were watching television when Hans Holzer and Sybil Leek were visiting San Francisco. They were ghost hunters. They announced that, if anyone thought their house was haunted, that they would be glad to come out and get rid of the ghosts. I begged my parents to call them. They didn't want to, because they didn't want anyone in the area to know the house was haunted. They said that when they sold the house, that such information would prevent them from getting a good price. I was so hopeful and then crestfallen. When my parents retired and put the house on the market the ghosts became especially active. We had occupied the house for 15 years, and I think the ghosts were pretty happy with the arrangement. He told my mom that he wanted to move into the travel trailer, so they didn't have to be concerned with constantly cleaning and preparing for the stream of realtors streaming through the house with potential buyers. Then one morning my dad announced that he was lowering the price on the house by a considerable amount. We all tried to discourage him from doing so, since they were counting on the profit from the sale to buy retirement property and perhaps build a home. He wouldn't listen to our arguments. The house sold that day. Mom and I were sitting in the kitchen while Dad walked the new owners out to their car. Mom and I heard the back door open and slam close. We heard footsteps coming up the back steps. We got up together and looked down the hall to the stairway. We could still hear the footsteps ascending the stairs, but there was no one to be seen. After they moved all of their things out of the house, handed over the keys, and had left the property for good, Dad confided why he insisted on moving into the trailer and lowering the price on the house. The night before they moved out into the trailer my dad was startled awake by a hand over his mouth and nose. He was being suffocated by the man-ghost, who we had come to call Dave. Dad was a strong guy, but he said that it took all the strength he had to wrestle away from the grip of the ghost. Dad turned to me and apologized for not believing me. We heard that the first renter in the house was a minister. I was elated thinking that a minister might pray the ghosts out of the house. The minister moved out almost as soon as he had moved in. After a series of short-term renters the house was replaced by an apartment building. Neighbors told my parents that the house had been moved. I don't know if the house was moved, and if it was moved I wondered if the ghosts go with the house or haunt the apartment building built on the site. I know I would never want to go back and find out for myself. Please continue sending us your horror stories. Check the link in the description.